you know, I, you know, there's Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and all these people, but I think there's a certain, certain bit of wickedness inside all of us. Welcome to Story District Presents, the podcast for people who love live storytelling. I'm Amy Sedman, the director of Story District, a nonprofit in Washington, D.C., dedicated to teaching and showcasing the art of storytelling. In each episode, we bring you a story from one of our shows. Then we meet with a storyteller to find out more about what it takes to tell a great story. This season is all about the seven deadly sins. And today we bring you a story by Ashok Ramp Supermanian about the sin of greed. Ashok told this story at Story District's 20th anniversary show. Here's Ashok. I was in India doing the second year of my engineering school. And one day, a relative of mine who's been abroad came back and gave me a Kit Kat, the candy bar, a, a full one. And he said to me, this is Kit Kat. They, they eat it in America. And, and it's amazing. You should have it. And I, I had a roommate at the time, and custom dictates that you wait until the roommate gets home, and you share it, enjoy it together, and all that. But it, it just looked awesome. It was right in front of me. And I thought... I'm going to eat a tiny bit. And there's still a lot to share with my roommate. So I opened up the Kit Kat, and I took a tiny bite. And it was amazing. <laughs> and I've never tasted anything like that. And I said, okay, okay, I'm going to eat one more bite. Uh, there's still a lot to share with my roommate. I mean, you know where this is going. Uh, there is... Uh, Pretty soon, uh, all I am left with is a tiny piece of Kit Kat. And at this point, some kind of twisted logic seized me. I mean, what is the point of sharing now? Uh, I mean, I have to explain to the dude, like, dude, I had a full bar, and I ate most of it, only this much left. No, no, the safe thing to do is to finish that off and eat the whole thing and end it. And, and, and that's exactly what I did. I ate the whole thing. And about two hours later, my, my roommate shows up. And for some reason, this guy is clearly delighted. He's so happy. And in his hands is a paper napkin. It's folded up. And he opens up the paper napkin. And inside, incredulously, there is a, about an inch-long piece of Kit Kat. <laughs> and, and he looks at me and he says, this is Kit Kat. And they eat it in America. And it's supposed to be amazing. And, and, and he wanted to share this with me. And, and, and unlike me, who had wealthy relatives abroad, like a friend of a friend or somebody had given him this tiny piece, and, and, and his eyes were sparkling with the joy of giving. And, and my own eyes were more confused than anything else. I, I just stood there, and, and he proceeded to take a ruler, 
this is in, this is engineering school. There's rulers all over the place. So he he took the sharp edge of the ruler and he cut his tiny Kit Kat into two pieces, and he offered me one. I I ate it. <laughs> it is it is simply too complex to do anything else. <laughs> uh, but, and, and looking back, I found the whole episode confusing and honestly a little, little troubling. But, but it did teach me that there is a, there's a different world out there, not the rat race, dog-eat-dog -dog world that most of us live in, but a different world where people share their Kit Kats. Thank you. loved this story the first time I heard it. I, I just love this sort of like haunting Kit Kat in the corner, like the angel and devil on your shoulder where you're like, no, I'm, I'm going to share it. But it keeps like, it's siren's call is so strong. Yeah, it's, it's a little, let's use the word seductive. The level of sugar content and precise and wonderful mix of sugar with chocolate and the wafer business I've never been exposed <laughs> to anything like that in, in 21 years. And, and when I just bit into it, it was a completely different level of decadence. To go back to your words, uh, the, the angel and the devil, like the angel was just suppressed, just like, okay, you know, this is just too good. <laughs> and to hell with sharing. <laughs> you know and I think it works because we all identify with it like you're the bad guy in this story in a lot of ways but we're all saying well, I'm like, totally the bad guy I'm totally <laughs> the bad guy okay so this has been my burning question what are the odds was it Kit Kat day was someone on campus just passing out Kit Kats how did he get a Kit Kat the very same day you did yeah, you know, uh, it's one of the questions that I'm surprised that people don't ask me. Um, you know, like these days, uh, the Indian economy is, is more open. And But uh, yeah, when I was there and when the story happened, it was a very protectionist society. So it, it is not possible for uh, Kit Kat to come into the country. Uh, occasionally... Uh, somebody would bring like a huge supply of it into the country. All of a sudden, there is a bulk of stuff that is would be otherwise prohibited under the normal rules. And then like two days later, uh, it would all be gone. And, and my guess, and this is only an educated guess, like my uh, family friend who had contacts was able to obtain a, a nice uh, full bar for me. And then with a trickle-down economy, uh, a, a small piece ended up in the hands of my roommate. <laughs> right. I love that it's, this is the contraband, that you have the connections <laughs> yeah. and, the, and it's a Kit Kat black market.
you painted the picture of what it's like to be in India when access to stuff can be limited. So I don't know if you can think back now that you've been here 23 years, but do you remember what it felt like early on to have so much access to so much stuff once you were living here? Oh, absolutely. In fact, as a parent, I am I am grappling with that very issue right now. You know, I I remember when I was a when I was a kid and when my dad was still around, um, he had uh, he had gotten a box of uh, colored pencils for me, and and he would give the pencils to me two at a time, two colors at a time, and then I would draw and color and whatnot. And then we would keep sharpening the pencils once it became really blunt. And, and we'd throw them away only when it is literally too small to hold with your fingers. And we were constantly aware of the scarcity of things, scarcity of food, scarcity of water. And, you know, I have two children right now. And when, you know, when I walk around the house, I see these colored pencils just lying around. You know, they, they draw and then they just toss them. And the, the, such things are unfathomable to, a, to an immigrant coming from India. So it is very difficult for me to convey to them how precious it is, how few people in the, in the world have access to these things. They can't just throw them around. They can't just buy them repeatedly just because they can. It's an uphill task, I'm telling you. I bet. And there's just so much. How do you um, instill that that sense of, I don't know, awareness and respect? That must be challenging. Yeah. are a professor. Do you want to tell us a little bit about? Yeah, I'm a professor of um, mechanical engineering. I've always wanted to be a professor. My my dad was a professor before before he died. So it's it's always had a special connection to me that, that I wanted to have this job. Uh, I lost my father when, um, when I was seven years old. And I had to support my my mother from a from a pretty young age, I've heard tales that immigrants go to the United States and and they are successful there. So kind of had a one track mind that like everything else can wait. I need to get to the United States. So once I came to this country and I enrolled in graduate school and all that, you know that's that's really when I started asking questions like, well, let's see what is outside of studying and studies and academics what else is out there that's a nice balance that you you know you you have your both sides of your brain you get to do your work and then you come and have your um storytelling fix your creative storytelling is my one connection to the art world you know i i i'm terrible with musical instruments i cannot dance 
Um, I cannot do any kind of painting or sculpture or anything like that. And um, so I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very proud of my, my storytelling. We have a local arts festival. It's called the Flurry Festival. And I run a workshop there. But, but when I go to the workshop, uh, they give me a special, uh, not an ID card, the, the thing that you hang around your necks that has your name on it. Um, it says performer on it. And there are real artists in that thing, like people who can really do music and really do shape note singing and whatnot. <laughs> and, and I get to be with them with a badge that says performer on it. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that. Thank you so much, Ashok. Uh, really enjoy your stories and really enjoyed having this conversation with you today. And I look forward to more. Oh, no problem. Thank you for putting me on the podcast. That's it for this episode of Story District Presents. We're so glad you're listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and most importantly, keep listening. To get tickets to a show, sign up for a class, pitch a story of your own, or hire our consulting team, visit storydistrict.org. And once again, we're raising money for season three. Your donation will help make this happen. Our show is produced by Lizzie Peabody, Ronald Young Jr., Alana Nevins, Nick Hill, Tim St. Clair, and Jackson Bierfeld. And special thanks to Ashok Ram Subramanian for joining us in the studio. I'm Amy Sedman, and this is Story District Presents. We'll see you next time. Don't panic.